It's been 20 years, been alive for 20 years on this earth. That is so weird to me, right? Because I'm not a teenager anymore. I'm 20. I'm a, I'm not a grown adult because I haven't finished university yet. I haven't got like a full-time job, houses, whatever, all of that stuff. I haven't done adult stuff yet. But it's there's still a change, you know, when you go from being a teenager to being 20. You're not in that secure gap anymore, that band of being a teenager. You've got that to fall back on. You can say, oh, I'm just a teen, you know. I'm a young adolescent boy. I've got all of this stuff to learn all of this stuff to do but I don't have that anymore I'm 20 now I feel like I've got to pattern up and think about my future in a more pragmatic way but you know that comes when it comes I am 20 years old now I wanted to get this episode out um, when I actually turned 20 which was Wednesday 7th that's last week but I've been terribly ill my throat is still fucked up so if I pause for a moment it's because I'm coughing my lungs out and you might hear that I'll try not to cough into the microphone but I'm just getting that out there. 20 years is not a long time. At the same time, it's a very long time. 20 years is a long time, objectively, right? For a human life. That's like, what, one-fifth of a... No, one... Two, four, six, eight. That's like one quarter of a long human life. 80 years, yeah. Quick mouse. That's quite a long time. You learn a lot in that time. You grow up. That's the main thing. You're growing up in that time. Going from being a kid young kid slightly older kid teenager and now you're here you learn so much you go through primary school reception nursery secondary school college sixth form whatever university job so much happens so much happens this isn't about all of that though well it is but it's not just about that you have 20 years to reflect on everything you don't really get to reflect every day of your life some days of your life you're busier than other days right you can't just spend all day thinking about the past. You've got to choose when you think about the past. And I tend to think about the past around the time where I changed the year that I am. That's a weird way to say when it's my birthday. I don't really celebrate my birthday. It's not something that I ever enjoy doing. Don't know why. Just I just don't. But it's still a time for reflection. A time to think about the past and how it's affected me and how I've changed. We are all people who change so, so much. If you ever meet someone who says that, oh, I don't really change that much, they're lying to you, or they leave, live very boring lives. But even boring people who live boring lives change quite a lot because being bored all the time, that has an effect on your mental health or whatever. So that's going to change you as a person, right? Well, I'm, I feel like I've changed so much, just like anyone else. And I used to be afraid of this. I used to be like, whatever changed so much, I don't recognize myself anymore in the future, right? And like 12 year old me would ask this. I'd be like, oh, what will I be like when I'm 16, when I'm 18, when I'm 20? And then it goes on and on and on and all through adulthood. And at some point you die, right? That's mortality. Mortality is an interesting thing. Change is inevitable. Change comes, change goes. But I found myself to be looking towards myself and all of the changes that happen. And I've kind of accepted that all of this change, ultimately, right, is relevant to my personal life. But what about the world around me? What is my impact on the world around me? I think as individuals, right, our impact, everyone's impact starts at the bare minimum by the interactions that we have with our peers, our loved ones, people we see every day people we talk to on the regular and then it goes up levels you know then you have the people who you don't see every day but you still interact with 
and people who only serve a minor role in your life, but they are still their own unique people. I don't like this NPCs trend, right, on TikTok, because it kind of demeans the lives of the people around you. Every single person you meet in real life, right, they have, they live their own unique lives, just like you, just like you, you know. You've got so many stories, right? I'm talking to you personally right now. Imagine I'm in the room with you, and I'm just chatting shit, right? You have your own life. You have your own series of events. You were born, you were raised by your, whatever, your family, if you were fortunate enough to have one. You went to school, probably. You learned a language, probably several. You have your own culture, your own faith, maybe. Or you might be an atheist. You have your own interests, your own hobbies, your own tragedies in your life. You have a lot of trauma. You have a lot of relationships in life. You've got all of these people who you know who are special to you. And only you understand you, right? You are the person who knows yourself best. People would be like, oh, I know you so well, but you're the one who knows yourself so well. So I don't like when people are like, oh, this person is an NPC, they're a bot. They are their own unique person with their own traumas, their own tragedies, just like you and just like me, right? We are so dismissive of this. Why? Why do we not want to accept the fact that other people around us are their own unique individuals? Here's a bit of reflection. When I was in about year five, I was in primary school. I had a teacher, right? He was bold and he was from Yorkshire and he was one of the most stern and sweet men I've ever met in my life. Both at the same time, because he was scary when he yelled, but he only yelled as a teacher would yell. He wasn't yelling to show off his ego or instill power over us. He was yelling because it was his job sometimes as a teacher to instill discipline into us unruly kids. And one day we were talking about, I think it was English class, and we were going over words, and one of the words I got brought up was empathy. And we discussed what the word meant on a deeper level than we would have prior to this class, right? And he talked about how it's putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And that stuck with me throughout the years, all my years, this thing has stuck with me, right? Putting yourself in someone else's shoes. And I've tried it a lot, you see. I've always struggled with finding the right line between being empathetic and thinking about my, myself, right, and being selfish. You have to be selfish to a certain degree in life to get through life. That's just a matter of fact. That's how it is, unfortunately. And where do you find the balance between being empathetic and being selfish? I still do not know. And I don't think I will know until many, many years down the lines. And that's another thing that I've come to realise over these years. There's a lot of not knowing in life, you see. You can think that you're doing everything perfectly right, but at the end of the day, you might come out of a rough day and you might be back to square one of whatever thing that you're working towards. Let's say it's an academic thing. You might you might come across failure. Failure is natural. Life is full of many, many failures, but it's not nice either way, right? I think there is so much uncertainty in life, right? We all go through these failures. We all have so much that we don't know about the future. And that's quite daunting. People like to pretend that they're so set for life that they understand exactly what's going to happen to them in the future. But no one knows exactly. Even the most wealthy people in the world cannot truly predict when they will die. Some might take into their own hands euthanasia, suicide, whatever, all of that stuff. But people who don't, the rest of us, right? There's no telling what happens to us. Death could be around the corner at any moment. Any one of us could die at any moment. Or something else. There are so many other major life events that aren't death. You have family matters, relationship matters, so much illness. Illness is a big one. 
I didn't comprehend illness until quite late into my teens. No, not late, probably like midway. 16 or so, when someone close to me became very seriously ill. That's when you realise for sure that, wow, we are not immortal creatures. I feel like as teenagers at some point, we've all had that feeling of being immortal. That we could just go against the entire world and come out of it fine. But when you learn that sometimes you don't come out of things fine, it's a, it shakes you to your core. And you think, wow, life is scary, life is delicate, life is precious. And it could be taken away from us at any moment. What do I do with this information? Because before then, before I figured that out, I was living life so recklessly. I was dangerous, unhinged. I had no concern for my own life. I lived it like it was discardable, like there would be more of me, like me as an individual human. There were more of me, you can just buy one. No, not true. Every single one of us are so unique, and there is preciousness in that uniqueness, right? We are so, so unique that there is a value there, an inherent value beyond just a human life. Our personalities, our culture, what we are as individuals is so, so precious. And this, of course, like in the modern day, social media wants to push this idea of individualism towards all of us so hard because it wants us to be posting non-stop about how cool we are online, right? It's good for business for them. However, I find that it's a different individualism to what social media portrays. The individualism that we truly have is the one that is our emotional knowledge, right? Everything that we know about the world and how we respond to the world is our own framework, if you think about it, the way that we respond to things naturally. How has our minds as individuals been raised to respond to stimuli, right? Something goes wrong in your life. I'm talking to you again personally. Something has gone terribly wrong in your life. Let's say you're in a relationship. You've gone through a breakup. How do you respond to that? What do you do? How do you feel? What do you say? How do you act over the next weeks or so? What happens? What changes? That is what makes you an individual. Your own little emotional dogma. Your own little protocols. List of things that you respond using, right? I find that to be very interesting when you learn about other people. I used to be quite an antisocial person when I was much younger. I wouldn't enjoy interacting with people and my friend circle was quite tight. I was kept within my circle. I didn't go out of my way to make new friends. Pardon me, I need to cough now. <coughs> <coughs> the illness is shocking. I, was, I kept to myself and keeping to myself, I feel like I limited myself heavily during these younger years because I wanted to see more people. It would have been so good for me to experience new cultures at this time, but I kept to myself. Because I was apprehensive, I was suspicious of new strangers. I never really bothered talking with new people until I was a little bit older. And that opened whole new doors for me. I remember specifically, actually, when I started to develop my social skills much better. I was in year eight, right? And I went to, I went to secondary school, of course, at this time. And our deputy head teacher, he wanted me to participate in this thing called mock I think it was mock bar at this point, or mock trial, or something like this. It was basically a law simulation where your students would set up a court. We went to actual courts to do this. We were given a case study, case files, roles to play, and we would act out these roles in the simulation. And the way the simulation was would end would depend on how we would act in the simulation itself, right? And so in year eight, I was a magistrate, basically the judge. 
and you have to sort of address the entire courtroom to make decisions and stuff and you're, you're kind of an observer at this point and then year 9 and 10 I was an actual lawyer I played the role of a lawyer I was encouraged heavily by this deputy head teacher to act in a certain way he taught me how to speak in front of crowds right to change my accent on the whim because code switching is a life skill before then I spoke in a very different way to the way I do now I still mumble in real life time to time but I like to think that I have a better control over it now than I did back then because back then oh my god trust me you would not be able to understand what I was saying at the time I would just slur my words and it would be so quick because I didn't want to interact socially at all this deputy head forced me into that sort of stuff he opened so many doors for me right from secondary school onwards I became enthralled with public speaking in college I joined Model United Nations and I developed a taste for making posh kids cry in front of other posh kids it was so fun and I still continue doing stuff like that today it opens up so much development this door that was opened for me and some of my friends who also did it with me what a unique opportunity that was I sometimes think about it right if I was in a different timeline and this deputy had never approached me and told me to do this would I be the person I am today almost certainly not right because that opened up so much to learn because of this opportunity right I learned how to speak much more confidently I learned how to debate debating as a whole is such a beautiful skill to have it helped me with my writing and it helped me with academic excellence at GCSEs right this foundational experience set the stone for so much that led to where I am right now in my academic career studying international relations at university without that experience I don't think I would have that same projection in life which is cool to think about I don't even know where I was going with that just bit of reflection that's all today is about reflecting on the things the foundational events in life what else was there I think ah creative stuff I used to enjoy drawing a lot I still do but I don't do it anymore I don't know why I do know why actually I don't sit down and give myself time to just draw because the older you get right the more responsibilities you have and to anyone who happens to be younger listen to this right even by like just a few years make the most of it because it might sound so patronizing coming from someone who's only just a few years older than you right but to have time is precious you don't get the same time that you have as you grow up and most importantly you don't get the same mindset that you have it's so hard to decompress at this age right and I say that like I'm an old person I'm not I imagine it's gonna get worse when I'm older but I come out from university and even at home my mind is just absorbed in university work I don't feel like I can relax and enjoy my hobbies and that might just be me right but because of that I don't really draw anymore because I'm so enthralled with work at university any hobby that I do engage in is just something that's easy that I can just really get lost in like maybe a nice book every now and then but more realistically a TV show or a series or something like that or a movie that's the sort of stuff that you want to do when you get to this point in life but really you want to nurture the hobbies that you have when you have so much more time drawing playing an instrument there's another one that I wish I did a lot more playing instruments I briefly played clarinet in primary school it wasn't for me then I tried guitar I enjoyed that quite a lot but I was never good at it I wish I took that further because now I'm with friends you can play so well I really wish that I could join in with them and play the way that they play 
that's all right. You know, that's a missed opportunity. And that's not necessarily missed either. Maybe I'll find time in the future. Maybe I'll find time in the coming weeks now that it's the winter holidays where I can practice that skill and hone it more and join in with my friends and playing instruments. I think time is something that is so precious because we tend to view time as a thing that is one continuous line, right? You have life as a whole and you think, oh, when I get older, I'll have all of this time to do this. But it's not just that. Your mindset changes with time. You're not the same person that you are when you're, what, 12 than you are when you're 20, all right? You don't have the same ability to just absorb new information so easily to just adopt. For instance, they say that it's easy to learn a language when you're younger, and that's so true. It's so much easier to learn a language when you're much younger. I struggle now honing the German that I learned at GCSE. I want to keep it up, but I just can't. It's not the same anymore. I want to learn new languages, but you have to invest so much more effort at this age. At the same time, when you grow older, you get so much more discipline with these things. I was a very undisciplined kid when it came to academic stuff. I got through academics purely by sheer luck because I was able to absorb information, just enough information, like a fucking sponge, and then regurgitate it onto papers. I couldn't carry that through A-levels, though. That got me through secondary school, not any academic talent. There is so much pressure to conform to a certain way in education, right? In secondary school and college specifically, everything is kind of drawn out for you. You need to follow a formula to succeed because at the end of the day, you're working on test papers. You've got to write the exact same answer as everybody else. That's what's expected from you. But when you get to university or if you don't go to university, you're going to work. The problems that you face are different. Of course, university is still academics, so you still are expected to solve things in a certain way and there's a formula that you follow. It's a lot looser, I find, or a lot more loose. Don't know what's the grammatically correct way to say that. It's more loose. And if you work an actual job, well, your problems are so much more dynamic. Depending on your job, you might need to do different things. But I find that people tend to solve them in their own way when they're working for money. <coughs> it's interesting to see what people do after college time specifically, right? Because some people go sixth form, some people go college, some people do different things. But after 18, where do people go? You don't speak with the same friends that you had in secondary school as you do now. You make new friends as you go. A lot of people come and go. There is that natural drift in relationships. It's mad how many people that you get to know throughout life. I have known so many people, and so many people when it feels like you, you meet someone and you get to know them and over the over the time you, you think, oh, I will know this person for the rest of my life. But, you know, eventually on a random Tuesday, you don't know them anymore. They're not your friend anymore in the same way that they were before. You don't know them anymore. You don't understand them anymore. You're not in the loop as you were before. They don't confide in you anymore. You don't confide in them anymore. You go about your own separate paths in life. That's all right. That's natural. We cling to it a lot. We want to keep the same people who bring us comfort in life, but it's too easy to get lost with the same old people. There's always new people coming forward in life. What I can say, though, is that it's very important to actively maintain the relationships that you do have and that you do enjoy, because it's too easy. I do this a lot myself. I still do it. I don't really maintain friendships actively because I rely on seeing people in real life naturally. I don't really go out of my way to plan anything because I'm quite an antisocial person. But seeing people in real life, on campus for instance, that's what keeps my friendships alive. 
So before university ends, I need to learn how to not just rely on that. Otherwise, university will end and I'll lose all of my friends. But that's a problem for me to deal with over the coming months. What else is there? Mm. This wouldn't be me talking if I didn't mention politics. You know, oh God, there's so much to talk about. Politics is one of those things. Okay, let me drink water first. One moment. <coughs> Sorry. Politics is one of those things where you understand it more and more, but the understanding of it is that you know nothing about it, right, as you grow older. When I was about, what, 10, 11, 12, I was starting to build my religious identity and that formed my early political identity. I don't know at what point this happened, but I read a book about the Crusades at some point and I was a Muslim, of course, I still am a Muslim. And I just started blaming Christians for all of the world's problems because I was a naive child, right? I was a kid, I didn't understand any better and I had a lot of this angst, that preteen angst and I needed to go somewhere. So half as a joke, half as a not, I would go towards my Christian friends and be like, it's your fault that so much death and destruction happened in whatever year AD, right? Which is so funny. Imagine an 11 year old coming up to you and blaming the fucking, I don't know, the massacre of Jerusalem on you, you personally. I don't know what I was thinking at the time. That was my earlier political identity. It was one of angst. And I was so edgy as a kid that this only evolved. It got more and more angsty. To paint a picture, the type of kid part of me that I was right I was the type of kid who would really really enjoy watching videos shitty drawn videos on YouTube of Shadow the Hedgehog because he was cool and edgy and he was in all black and he was mean I loved him that's the type of kid I was and my political opinions was equally as edgy as I was I don't even understand what communism was at the time right but for some reason in my early teenage years I was obsessed with it I loved the strong and bold colours of militaristic icons right oh Stalin that's so funny that's so edgy if I was a teenager now like 14 now I would be the type of guy to say based at every single terrible thing online you ever see that right kids commenting based on the videos of fascists being executed out of fight it's so weird so weird anyways I was that type of kid I was obsessed with communism, but only on a superficial level. I didn't understand what it was. I didn't understand the theory behind it, of course. But <coughs> it sparked an interest at that point, right? An interest where I was starting to get more and more involved in these more fringe political ideologies. And as I matured, so did my political opinions. I started gravitating more towards the centre and kind of engaging with the politics around me. But at the same time, the politics that I adopted at any point in life a reflection on my identity as a person my identity was conflicted right when i became centrist in that brief period of my life i was someone who didn't know who i was i had brown skin but i wanted to be white so i would adopt the ideology of the white people around me i was basically becoming quite liberalized in that sense and looking back it's so cringe because i was abandoning my culture and any form of constructive opinion that i had just for this political opinion I don't really understand why I did it I do understand why I did it I wish I didn't, but it happened 
And then over time, I started really taking a hard look at myself and thinking, what are you changing about yourself? Why are you abandoning who you really are? Just to fit in better with people who don't even recognize you as one of them. And then my political opinions really started blossoming. I had an epiphany at some point around the age of 16, 17, where my opinions really had time to mature and I could really think about the world around me. I don't know what happened. I really don't know what happened. Maybe I read a really good book at some point. But I started critically and analysing the world around me. Maybe it was the Islamophobia in the media. I think that might have been it. It's so weird when the media paints your people as the wolves in society, right? Don't trust them. They're going to kill you. They're lurking. They hide among us. <laughs> among us. They want to do harm. And you're just there watching this stuff with a cup of tea in your hand and a chocolate bar, the most harmless activity ever, but you're being told that you are the harm, you're the problem with society, you disgusting immigrant, get out of my country. That's what the media says. And that has an impact on young teenagers, right? I wonder what would have happened to my political opinions if I was much younger when I was exposed to that. I was exposed to that around... Well, I really started thinking about it when I was around 16, 17. That's when my political opinions really started developing. And contrary to a lot of my Muslim brothers, right, I didn't really abandon these so-called liberal ideologies. I think I just became more empathetic. I started thinking, you know what, if this is what it's like to be stigmatized in society, why would I wish it on any other group? I'm going to be honest, right? In the Muslim community, there's a lot of homophobia, a lot of transphobia, a lot of bigotry in general. And regardless of religious ideology, I don't think this is right. Right? Because why would, why would anyone want to be discriminated against for their own beliefs like that? For something that they can't change or control? It is my opinion, even as a Muslim, that what someone else does with their personal life is not my, it's not my bother at any point. I don't see why society should ostracize these people. They're living their own lives and they're going about their own business. I don't need to agree with their lifestyle to accept them, right? To befriend them, to work with them, to live next to them, shoulder to shoulder. That's what I see in the West. This is what the West is to me. It's a place where people should live shoulder to shoulder. But the media's changed that and now we don't really do that anymore. And now that's where our political opinions come from. Because so many groups of society, we are made to feel like we don't belong. We're not part of society. You don't belong here. You don't come from this country. Your skin colors are different to mine. Your religion is different. You're dangerous. Blah, 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 blah. So much, so much waffle from these politicians. Even now, today, as we speak, these politicians are putting forward so much anti-immigration policy. They're saying asylum seekers are illegal. But how can you be illegal when you're a refugee? What is a legal way to be a refugee? There is no legal way to be a refugee, as we have learned in international relations. However, the politicians at the top and the media at the top don't ever bring in actual experts in these matters, do they? They don't bring in people who study these things, experts in the fields, doctors who have been studying political science for 12 years. No, never. They always bring in some guy, just some guy. That's all these politicians are, people, random people. And people take their word like it's gospel and they eat it up 
and they regurgitates it and the media facilitates all of that. People like Nigel Farage who suspiciously only rear their heads to push forward an extreme ideology that is then consumed by all of these people in society who just have nothing better to do. I used to want to be someone who would work towards changing the country for better, right? I wanted to be involved in politics. So I found myself working with, you know, Labour, the political party a lot. I called myself left-wing and I would operate under these left-wing doctrines. I wanted to see a better future for this country. But now I see that this country doesn't want to be helped. It wants to be in a constant state of fear. It wants to always have someone to blame. And the more you look back, the more you realise there always has been someone to blame in this country. That's what the media does, that's what the media exists for. Even after the empire has collapsed, the media's always been painting out someone to be the reason that your world is terrible, that your life is terrible, that you can't afford to put the heating on, right? Nothing's changed since my parents came to this country, since their parents came to the country, since I've been born in this country and I've been raised here, nothing has changed. They make it seem like it's changed, but it really hasn't. The feelings at the top of the command, right? They feel the same about us. So I don't want to help this country anymore. I want to live my life. And I used to think, oh, well, it's unethical, hoarding wealth, blah, 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 blah. I don't care anymore. I really don't care. I want to have my own family. I want to have my own house. I want to have my own method of transportation. I want financial freedom. I want to be able to just go about my days peacefully. Happily, I want to be able to come home to a happy family. I want to have the security of a job. I want to be able to put food on the table. I just want these very basic things. Because I understand now that the more I focus on the political world, the more unhappy I'll become. I can't change the world single-handedly. None of us can. It takes a lot of community effort, but if even, even the trade unionists who are striking right now can't change the world for the better, what are we meant to do? The only thing we can do is survive. Survival takes initiative over everything. I have a duty as the eldest son of my family to make my parents proud. Right? There is a, an ex expectation that I will make them proud by becoming happy myself. And I will not find happiness in fighting for a cause in a country where the people don't recognize me as one of their own countrymen. I'm sorry. That's just how it is. Regardless of your political belief, left wing, right wing, I don't care anymore. I want to be left alone. Leave me alone. Let me pay my tax and let me go about my days. Of course, it doesn't mean that I'm politically apathetic. I will always fight for the right thing. I always about the trade unionists, solidarity to our workers, right? And it's just protests. I have strong opinions about geopolitics. As someone who does study IR, that's very obvious. I have opinions on all of these matters. And I'm not afraid to voice them. But I'm not going to sacrifice everything for these opinions either. There seems to be this expectation on the internet now. That we will all be revolutionaries. Especially in the left wing, right? If you're in the left wing and you're active on online communities. They want you so badly to just give up fighting for a cause. Just just die. Go, go die gloriously. Become a martyr. Become a Che Guevara or whatever, right? No. There is a world outside of politics. I will not die for some other dead man's ideology. Alright? Karl Marx or whatever. All of these people. I don't care about them. I care about the people around me. Only. Over 20 years. It took me 20 years to realise how important it is. That I don't get too lost in this life. Right? 
that I don't absorb myself in the ideology of those around me. Ideology is poison. I should not be so involved with it. I should be focusing on my own life, my own decisions. I should make myself a good person. And I shouldn't rely on politics to make that true. I think there's a few people in my life who could learn from that. Who could really use taking a step back and thinking about, well, am I pushing people away by pretending to be a political extremist online? You know, I do it as well. I have a lot of extreme opinions, but it's not everything in life. I am someone, all right, my name is Shadman. I, I sit down, I enjoy tea. I like cooking, I like baking. I enjoy dressing in nice clothes. I listen to a lot of music. I'm very into headphones, which is a weird thing, right? I enjoy different quality of headphones. I enjoy different quality of microphones. The microphone I'm talking to you right now, I spend a lot of time researching this. I find a lot of enjoyment gaining information about stuff and then obtaining said stuff and using it and learning how to use it effectively. I enjoy buying fragrances and perfumes. I purchased your Fahrenheit yesterday and I really like the smell of it. I enjoy spending time with my family and I enjoy spending time with my friends. These are the things that define me, not my political opinions. That is separate to who I am. My identity is not bound to that. What have I come to a conclusion of for this episode? I have no idea. Just a lot of thoughts on my mind, that's all really. 20 years. Many more to come, I hope. Life is a beautiful thing. There is so much to see, so much to learn. I hope in the next few years of my life that I'll get to travel a lot and see the world outside of the UK much more. I want to I wanna expand my horizons, see what the world is really like, because I feel like being on the internet all the time, you build this certain perception of the world around you. You think of this about certain cultures. I want to see the cultures myself. The good, the bad, and the ugly, you know. I want to see everything. And I want to build an accurate picture. Not one that I've developed online. And I think all of us, if we get the chance, privilege allowing, we should do that as well. If you have the money lying around, take a moment to go travel a little bit. That's what I plan to do soon. See the world for how it truly is. And I hope... I learned something new. I hope it doesn't meet my expectations because I have very bleak expectations. But we will see. Anyways, my my voice is going now, so I'm going to end it here. Thank you for listening. This was one of the longest ones yet, I think, if not the longest. So thank you. Bye-bye.